One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The day has arrived. The big one. Yes, it is here. It is game day, people. The semi-finals of the Euros with England facing Denmark. As if you didn't know that by now. The last time England reached this stage of the Euros was way back in 1996 with that heartbreaking game against Germany at Wembley Stadium. But memories of that night will be long forgotten if Gareth Southgate and the boys conquer the Danes and take us through to our first final in a major tournament since 1966. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. It is one step at a time. I'm Adam Smith and welcome along to episode 31 of the official England podcast. The only place where you can get daily exclusive interviews, news and insight straight from the Three Lions camp. And boy, have we got a show in store for you today. They call me the postman and here's what I'm delivering to your front door. We'll bring you all the latest news from St George's Park, including who's been embarrassing Calvin Phillips in training. Manager Gareth Southgate and Captain Harry Kane spoke to the media ahead of the big game. We're not taking Denmark lightly uh, by any means. We know they're a very tough team. The people have spoken. We have listened. Yes, it wouldn't be a matchday show without the return of Smithy's stat attack. Luke Shaw steps into the lion's den with Josh Denzel before departing for London. All the lads are really excited yeah. and... Hopefully, you know, we can put on a show for the fans. I spoke exclusively to Danish footy legend Peter Schmeichel. Give football a meaning, give this tournament a meaning mm. and go out and play. And the exclusive interviews don't stop there, as I also spoke to BBC's lead football presenter and former England legend, Gary Lineker. I've had two broadcasting ambitions. One of them's to broadcast the FA Cup final with Leicester winning it. Yeah. And the other's for England to win a major tournament that I've that I'm broadcasting. It's time for kickoff, so blow your whistle, ref, and let's get started. You're listening to the official England podcast. Yesterday, the lads had their final training session, which was partially streamed live across England's social channels. Calvin Phillips was rather miffed that Jack Grealish got the better of him in training, sharing an old school pic of Grealish on Instagram stories with the caption, can't believe this guy megged me in the boxes. Great stuff. And in fairness, it looked like everyone had their shooting boots on too, including Rhys James, who puts a screamer past Sam Johnson into the top right bin that even earned him a handshake from Jude Bellingham. In the afternoon, the squad left St George's Park to head down to Wembley ahead of the game. It's another fully fit squad heading into the biggest game of the tournament so far. A huge boost for Gareth Southgate as he picks his troops 
ahead of battle. And speaking of Gareth Southgate, he spoke to the media yesterday alongside skipper Harry Kane. Very excited about the game, that's for sure. Um, and we know that we're going to have tremendous support throughout the country. So it's a, that's a great feeling for us. I think we're uh, ready for the game. I think the players are ready. They've got tremendous experience now themselves, having been in this situation before. So I think our preparation's been calm and um, we know we're playing a really good opponent. Uh, we, we, we knew that before the autumn. We knew even more so after the games in the autumn. Um, so it's going to be a really, really tight game, I think, and uh, a, a, I think an exciting game for everybody. We've got players that make good decisions on the field now. They've got experience of coming up against different systems. Um, they know how to um, counter those systems and they know where to find the spaces. So it's, um, it's great because we've been working together for a, quite a long time now that we, we understand our own patterns of play and um, it means that there's a consistency in the way that we operate, really. We're not taking Denmark lightly uh, by any means. We know they're a very tough team. They've got some great players and they're obviously a great unit of a team as well. So, yeah, we're in a great position where we're two games away. So uh, it's important that our focus is on tomorrow night and about us and what we can do. Um, and we know if we can get it right, then it, um, it should be enough to, to get us over the line. It is match day, which means the hashtag SmithyStatAttack has been the number one trend on social media for the past 24 hours. And if you believe that, then quite simply, you'll believe absolutely anything. Back by popular demand, here is everything you statistically need to know about today's game. Cue jingle, which we spent far too long making. SmithyStatAttack! So here are the stats that matter as England head into the Dane... Jazone. England have won just one of their last six competitive meetings with Denmark drawing three and losing two. Cool. Way to start off on a positive note, Smithy. Moving on swiftly. This will be the third meeting between England and Denmark in a major tournament. England won 3-0 in the second round of the 2002 World Cup after a goalless draw in the group stages of Euro 1992. A competition, incidentally, that Denmark went on to win. And listen to this one. All seven meetings between England and Denmark at Wembley Stadium have finished 1-0, with England winning five and Denmark winning two. Nutty. England have kept a clean sheet in all five of their games at Euro 2020 so far. No team has ever kept six clean sheets in a single edition of the European Championships or World Cup. Harry Kane has been involved in 27 goals in his last 26 games for England. 18 goals and nine assists, that is. He has nine goals at major tournaments with only Gary Lineker netting more such goals for England with 10. No European player has scored more major tournament goals for their country since the start of the 2018 World Cup than captain Harry Kane, who has netted nine times. That is the same as Cristiano Ronaldo. That boy is world class. As for Denmark, they have scored 11 goals so far in Euro 2020. Only Spain, with 12, have scored more coming into the semi-final matches. It's the most goals Denmark have ever scored in a single edition of a major tournament. Kasper Dolberg has three goals for Denmark in Euro 2020. Only two Danish players have scored more at a single edition of a major tournament before. With Preben Ekjar Larsson in the 1986 World Cup and John Dahl Thomason in the 2002 World Cup, each scoring four. Smithy's stat attack completed it, mate. 
listening to the official England podcast. As the team was departing St George's Park, Josh Denzel managed to grab a quick word with Luke Shaw. Here's what they spoke about. It's been brilliant, really. I think, especially after the group stages, it's gone so quick. Yeah. You know, I think before the Germany game, we had, I think, six days. And I think after that, they said, you know, when it, when it starts starts going knockout rounds, it's going to go quick and it's gone so quick. Isn't it? <laughs> so it's like a game by game, but yeah. you can't really sort of, you just got to, you know, get the game done with and sort of forget about it. As much as we yeah. want to enjoy it, there's another massive important game. So yeah. we kind of just refocus and, and we're ready again. I know you, you kind of half laugh it off. When people call you Shiberto Carlos or Deck calls you Roberto Shaw, I don't know where that one come from. But, like, in terms of the man himself, I know he, he followed you the other day. He, liked a copy of he had this to say about it. He goes, he's been proving each game and he's got everything to get to the top. He's the left-back for England. In that self, it says a lot. Like, how, does it, how nice is that to have, like, the man himself come out and go, yes, you're doing your thing? Now, to be fair, I, even, I haven't even seen any of that. That's the first time I've heard of it. Um, now, nah, obviously, it's, it, it's so nice to hear things from, you know, one of the best le- left-backs ever. Um, and of course, like I said, after the game, when I seen he had followed me and, and commented on my photo, I couldn't believe it, to be honest. It was a, a weird feeling, but, you know, one that, you know, I take massive respect from it. And, you know, it's really nice to hear words from, from someone like that. Sure. And online's then you, we spoke about you being able to kind of block out that negativity. But on the other side of that, how do you kind of keep your feet on the ground when so much praise is being heaped onto you and onto the team as in general? I think it's just, it's, it's best to kind of ignore it all. Um, I think we in, inside the camp we're we're all ves- very positive, um, and I think whatever's said on the outside, we we just sort of, you know, block it out. We know what we're doing. We know we're in a in a good moment, and you know what what an even bigger moment for for tomorrow's game. You know, it's yeah. it, it, it's, it's massive. The occasion's massive, but it's one we just got to go out and enjoy and and do what we've been doing. The Germany atmosphere, like I said, was yeah. was one of the best I've ever played in, and I think it felt like a full stadium then. Um, a semi-final tomorrow at Wembley with 60,000, I yeah. think it's going to be even more special. So all the lads are really excited yeah. and hopefully, you know, we can put on a show for the fans. I am delighted, no, honoured in fact, to be joined now on the official England podcast by one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time, a man who won a host of trophies for club and country, a man who redefined the modern keeper, a man whose son is now one of the best keepers in the tournament and a man who knows England's opposition as well as anyone. It is, of course, Danish football legend and someone I know very well, Peter Schmeichel. Peter, how are you doing, mate? And did you enjoy that introduction? Smithy, thank you very much. Oh, he's bowing. I love that. <laughs> Anything I missed out? Because obviously there's so much you've achieved. No, I couldn't fine. get everything in. Please don't embarrass me too much. Okay, fine. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. We'll look straight ahead because we know why you're on. It is England against Denmark in the semi-final of the Euros. Huge game. Just how excited are you ahead of this one? Massive. It's absolutely massive. And and, and, and I think it's, it's one of them. It's so evenly balanced in terms mm. of who the real favourite is here and and the importance of this game, when you look in relation to the nation, this is, I mean, it is a fantastic game and it's something to look forward to. I'm absolutely sure we'll get a good game. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it will be a very entertaining game. How, how do you watch it? How nervous do you get? Because obviously not only is it a huge game for your country, also the country that you served, uh, you know, and, and won a major tournament with, but also your son plays in goals. So is it very, do you get just butterflies, nerves? How does it work on, on match day for you? Well, I, I learned a long time ago um, to to take most of the emotions out when Casper plays because right. 
the number of games every week, you know, you, that that would just keep me in a constant state of uh, of nervousness. So I, yeah. I I don't see much value in that. So um, I very quickly decided that that he was capable, that he was Aaron Merritt, and he, mm-hmm. you know, he can do the job. So uh, I think I think my sort of level of of um, anxiety and nervousness, if you like, is the same as yours. Uh, you, you know, this is this is huge. For Denmark, you know, I I've played a lot of games for the country. Uh, it was one of my biggest dreams growing up, playing for Denmark. Um, and I know what it's like from the inside, and you know, and I know the excitement of of, of producing results for mm. for a relatively small country in terms of population. But uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say a small country in 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 terms of the footballing world. Mm. So to to be in a semi final, uh, it's 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 just incredible for our country. And of course, you achieved uh, as a, as a nation, as an individual, something that we haven't experienced in England ever: winning the Euro. So I just wanted to ask your personal memories of winning Euro '92 as a player. That must have been such a special moment for you in your career. Of course, it was incredibly special. Yeah. Uh, not not uh, having qualified in the first place and being called up very late. Mm-hmm. Um, then having to to regroup and and you know, we got very little time to prepare and uh, didn't really have a lot of we didn't really I mean we always knew we were a good team we always mm-hmm. knew that we we didn't qualify uh, because we we had a really really bad start to the qualification um, but we ended up probably being best team in, in the group and we you know beating Yugoslavia away and stuff like that. But we messed it up in the beginning, but progressively we got better. So we knew we weren't a bad team, but we just didn't know where we were in terms of, of uh, form on the day. And I think because the first game we did play was against England, I think when we came out of that, having actually produced more chances than England had and uh, the disappointment of not having won that game, I think that gave us the belief and also the, the extra energy to, uh, to, uh, to sort of go on and actually try and compete in the tournament. Uh, of course, we lost the second game, but the way the results sort of panned out was that if we won the third one, we could progress. But And we did. And there's a difference between now and then is that once we progressed from the group phase, we were straight into the semifinals. Yeah, yeah. And England and Denmark, now they've had to play two knockout games mm. to get to here. So there is a very big difference between then and now. And it's uh, before we get into this comparing then and now, uh, we might as well just put that to bed because it is impossible. Yeah, interesting. I want to get your insight into what's being said in Denmark in the in the sort of Danish media about this team so far. It was there. Is this sort of a huge achievement just getting to the semi-final? Is, is there a state of euphoria in the country just to get this far? Or actually, is there real belief that Denmark could go all the way in this tournament? I think there's been real belief in in uh, football corners or people who know about football about this mm. team. Um, we've 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 had a patch, a long period of time where football has not been the most popular thing in Denmark. It always okay. was the most popular thing. Our league has not been you know present in the in the big European tournaments as much as we would like to. With the quality has not maybe not been the best. Uh, Competition from from other sports, competition from social media. It's been difficult to for for for, for football to buy into the to the younger generations. Uh, this achievement by the team has obviously you know bounded everyone together, and 
you know, we now have a similar situation to every time the Danish team has been in a big mm -hmm. tournament where they've done well, where, you know, everyone meet up, they, they watch the games together and uh, the whole country is talking about it. I don't think there is a big difference between what's happening in England um, now and what is happening in Denmark. Oh, People really? are very excited about it. Yeah. Uh, I think that the only sort of really big difference is that we will not say that we 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 are going to win it. Right. Uh, I think from from uh, from early on, there has been an expectation to the English team to go and win it. It's there for you. It's served on a you know on a platter for you. And people who know football knows that you know it's not as easy as that. Yeah. Um, so I think the Danish teams had it a little bit better in terms of the pressure that can be put on them as to, you know, not everyone was was looking, for, not, well, I say not looking for, because people was going, they were going to watch the games anyway, but they didn't have this, um, there weren't, there were no big expectations right. to, you know, performance and results and, um, and not the, you know, not a massive build up every day about, you know, everything. So, but it's, it's there now. It's, it's incredible now. Yeah, what, what have you been most impressed with? There's been a lot of key performance. Obviously, Casper doing well in goal. Hoiberg's getting the assist. We've seen Dolberg uh, with three goals. What, what are the sort of key areas? I'm, I'm trying to tap into where the game can be sort of won and lost from an English perspective, but where are the key areas in this game I'm for you gonna, from a Danish perspective? You're not going to tell me. Tell you. I'm not going to tell you how you win this game. Ah, you saw me coming <laughs> with that question. <laughs> no, I think, I think you know, with, with, um, with we're talking about Denmark as a team. It is a team. We don't mm. have... The big superstar. We've got well-known names. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I I really want to compare the two teams, the two squads. The depth and squad on both teams are it's just incredible. Mm. Um, England have they have bigger names, but I think that's more than anything down to the popularity of the Premier League. I think the level is just incredibly high in yeah. in, in, in both in in both uh, squads. Um, and I think the way that they approach the games are very similar. I think it, it, it's all based on a really solid defense with uh, very quick players, very aggressive players in wide positions, um, two center midfield players that, that you know provide security for creative players to go and try and lose the ball. If, if they lose the ball, they'll be there. Then you have quick strikers up front. I, I think one of the question marks question mark that we had before this tournament was who of all the chances that we create who is the guy that's going to put the last foot to it or the last touch to it and put it in the net okay and i think we've 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 come up with the answers so that that was probably my biggest worry before the tournament that we wouldn't score enough goals but we've we've scored an, uh, a lot of goals now yeah. um so i think you know it it's it's very it's very evenly balanced in terms of sort of pre-game analysis of strength, uh, individual strength, but also squad strength. Um, and, and again, also two very similar coaches who views a game in a very modern way, um, who are very individual in their management of the players, but also incredibly uh, teamless in terms of, you know, some players will play today, other players won't. Some players start the game, but next time they're on in the stand. You know, this is about the 26 players, but every single player will will be, you know, managed and will know their situation and why they're not or why they are. 
Uh, and I think that, you know, everything across the board looks a little bit similar to me. It's interesting hearing that. And it's interesting hearing you speaking about it from a Danish perspective. And also, I respect you not giving away too many secrets from the Danish, Danish team. I respect that. Um, so the, the similar question, really, I suppose. What is the belief from within Denmark, from the, the Danish pundits, Danish press about this England team? How good it is and how much of a threat that it, that it possesses uh, for Denmark? I, I think it's very similar to what I just said. Mm. I think everybody views this as a 50-50. Really? Um, 50-50, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think they do. Uh, the, the one thing that separates uh, the two teams in, in what people who's never tried it before's mm. eyes is the fact that it's at Wembley. Yeah. And a lot of people will see this as a massive advantage to, to England. I've, I've, I've played England at Wembley. Mm. Uh, it's, it's never easy. Mm. It's never been easy, I, I have to say that. But it's never been a disadvantage because really? Wembley... Really? Well, Wembley is the one football stadium you really want to play in. If you mm. know, if you are that lucky that you get to a Champions League final in your career, you crush your fingers that that Champions League final is being played at Wembley. It is. Wow, interesting. Yeah. No one has that Wembley thing. So really, that's interesting. Every I think every player who who uh, plays the game at Wembley will feel privileged to play that game. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's it's uh, it's it's uh, a disadvantage. Uh, or England has an advantage uh, with their home crowd. They have some, but it's not a massive one. I, I can only take, and this is a very personal opinion. Yeah, this is course. how I felt. Of course. Um, I, I, I played only at the old one, we have to say. Mm. Uh, I was very lucky to play there a lot of times, play there against England. And it, it never lost its magic to me. Never. It was always an experience. It was always something that inspired me to play. Mm. I'm sure the Danish players will feel inspired to to go on that pitch. Yeah, it's interesting hearing that. Why, why that sort of, I didn't surprise me, but obviously we do look at it as a huge motivation for England because as an Englishman, you think that Wembley's the pinnacle. But it's interesting that hearing it from from foreign players' perspective and a Danish player's perspective, that actually that will be extra motivation as well. So it's fascinating to hear that. Um, one thing that we've got to talk about, of course, which is ultimately bigger than football, is what happened to Christian Eriksen. I'm sure you can agree it was it was horrible um, what, what we all watched and stuff. Um, and it's great that he is now out of hospital and we, we wish him a full recovery. How, how difficult was that to watch and seeing your son obviously knowing him and being friends with him and going through that how tough was that and what, what would you, you like to say on, on everything that's happened and how proud you are of the Danish team to still be in the tournament having witnessed that yeah I mean it's difficult to find to find the right and correct words mm. uh, I was I was at the stadium I was working for Danish TV that night um, we were diagonally opposite of, of where it was and straight away our TV station cut off the pictures so uh, being you know, nearly a hundred yards away it was very difficult to see what had actually happened, um, because because obviously uh, the, the the TV pictures that we did show was when he received the uh, the ball from the throw-in. Yeah. Um, that that would have been on a monitor behind me. Right. I was watching the game uh, directly, so I didn't really see what happened, and I didn't understand it for a very long time. Uh, wasn't a lot of information around, but I, but of course, you, you can see that something was very very wrong, and um, but we we didn't honestly we did not know precisely what had happened. Uh, that that came that information came to us a lot 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 later. Yeah. But but seeing seeing that it was a serious and see how the players 
they responded and protected Christian, protected Sabrina, his girlfriend, mm. um, and and was looking after uh, one another. Was it was very impressive. Uh, obviously, we know looking back, we know precisely what happened and how traumatic it would have been yeah. for the players to be there and so close to it. Uh, and that makes it even more impressive that yeah. they, they could do what they did on the pitch. Uh, and of course, uh, very quickly, it came back uh, to us that uh, that he was all right. And he, he'd been in contact with, with the squad and uh, he was alive. So that that helped a lot. And in the, you know, the next days were, were just positive news. Yeah. Um, but of course, uh, you can't. The images that the players mm. they carry with them, you can't take them away. They they yeah. saw their they saw their teammate. Yeah. Um, and to quote the doctor, he said he was gone. Yeah. They, they saw that, and 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 that that in in order to come back from that and, and perform yeah. the way they did against Belgium the next game, that for me was impressive. That was yeah. just how how do you find the strength to do that? And of course, Eric got released and came to the camp, which is well publicized. Came to the camp and said, "Listen, make 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 sure you 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 prioritize football now. I'm okay. Now make 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 football give football a meaning, give this tournament a meaning, mm. and go out and play." Um, so of course, there's been a little bit of energy mm. uh, won from the positive outcome, but I have to say that most of the positive uh, performances that the, the Danish team have put out. Has actually depend on how good they are. So yeah, um, yeah, I think well said. I, I totally agree with with everything you said. Let's get a prediction then, Peter. Go on, England v Denmark. How do you see it going? I want to be smiling after the game. Okay. So so I'll be nervous before. Yeah. And I will smile after. I oh, hope. okay. Uh, and and whatever happens in ninety, one hundred and twenty minutes plus penalties, I don't care. Honestly, don't care. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> You just want to but be smiling. You know what? I think I think it really is. It is a tasty prospect. Yeah. It is. It's incredible. And I, no matter what happens, no matter mm. what happens, I'm so proud of the Danish team. I'm also very, very proud of the English team. I think yeah. uh, having gone through the whole coaching education with the FA, yeah, um, and understanding the thinking from 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 uh, inside, what they need to do, what they they they've set out to do. Mm. Uh, and and Gareth, literally, they, they they tried to. The media has tried a little bit to to put little chings into the the armor on Gareth, and it, it just mm. it just deflects. And he does precisely what he feels is right. It's it's been incredible. He and he, you know, he's he's been incredible. So no matter what happens in this game, you know, there really is a lot to be proud of mm. for both. Nations and both teams and both managers. I think that's perfectly well, but it's almost like this should be this is the final you want, I suppose, isn't it? Your home team, Denmark, and the team and the country that you played so many years in. You must have it's probably the final that you wanted, isn't it? Denmark v England. It's a horrible game. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> I bet you have sort of yeah, it's a bit tough of you. Yeah, it is. It's, it is. I always, you know, I always support England. I yeah. always had this great. Uh, I always, even from when I was young, I've never been to England. It was before, I mean, ten years before I ever came to England. I had this relationship to the country. I always felt that I belonged in England. And of course, being lucky enough to come over to England, play most of my career there, play for my boyhood you know, club, the, the one that I supported, uh, getting to know you know, the English people and, and, and being part of the society, of course. 
it's difficult, but uh, of course, my uh, my country is Denmark. I was born in Denmark, so I will, I will hope, I will support them today. But it's it's a horrible game to watch when you have those feelings. Brilliant, Peter. This is a perfect night to end it. In you're an absolute top guy. Great to catch up with you as always. Hopefully, we'll catch up soon, mate. Thanks, mate. Take care. You're listening to the official England podcast. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm pleased to say joining me on the official England podcast now is quite simply an England legend with 80 caps to his name, 48 goals. He is England's third highest goal scorer of all time. He also holds the record for most tournament goals ever for England. And he is also the first Englishman to win a golden boot at a major tournament. As well as all of that, he's one of the most recognisable faces in the game as BBC's lead football presenter. It is, of course, Gary Lineker. Gary, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're extremely busy, so how are you doing, first off? Yeah, great. Um, yeah, my pleasure to join. Um, yeah, I've been enjoying the tournament. It's great that um, England are playing so well. It makes well, it makes it puts everyone in a good mood and it's yeah. also a lot easier to broadcast when it's positive rather than negative so and that's a relief it's so true that now before we talk about there's so much to talk about with England and of course looking ahead to the next game I just think it's applicable because you're at the heart of the tournament I think our listeners will be intrigued to know just a bit of sort of behind the scenes in terms of how your preparation goes I suppose a typical match day when you're on air you know what time you get to the studio how the nerves are the match day preps we we'll just just get your insight on that really first um, yes, I've, so um, during a tournament, um, we're usually, you know, based together in some wherever the tournament is. But obviously, this one's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, not in the sense that just it was going around Europe, but also because of COVID, obviously. So normally we'd we'd be in one base. Say when it was in France, we were in Paris, but this time we've been based in um, sunny Salford um, yeah. for the, for the <laughs> most of it, except for the games that at Wembley we've managed to get to. Um, so it's been a little bit different to normal, but having said that, the preparation is is usually the same. We've got these big, huge books of go through yeah. all the teams and the it's little stats that might help um, make a load of notes and and then arrive at um, the studio. The guys will come in probably an hour or two after me. The the pundits and they'll go through their analysis and say you know they'll plan all that. 
then I usually get into the studio about an hour before kickoff. Um, and then really, you know, that's the only bit of, of live football you can plan yeah. is the opening bit. Yeah, so true. with England games, for example, it's quite a lot to plan because it's an hour. That's a lot of build up. So it's a lot of prep. Um, but once the game kicks off, uh, you know, there's, you plan the stuff as it goes along. So obviously we're constantly looking during the first half, um, not for, you know, and we're also trying to enjoy the game as well. But we're <laughs> yeah, still, so true. But the guys are looking for analytical points as we yeah. as we go as we go by, and then at halftime, it's all it's all a bit. Um, it's, it goes by very quickly, and um, and and that's how it works again in the second half. And then it's dependent. And then you've got to try and think about a closing line and how are you going to get the boys into their analysis and stuff like that, and then hand into interviews. So it's it's very ad hoc, ad lib, mm. um, really, the, most of it. Um, but that's what makes it fun. Yeah, it's brilliant just getting insight into that. I wanted to ask you as well how the sort of nerves compare because you play for England in, in massive yeah. games. But also, you hear the viewing figures for these games, particularly as England go yeah. far. And it's incredible, <laughs> isn't it? Just how, I mean, I'm speaking to people that had no interest in football prior to this who were just glued to it. So how much of a buzz do you get nervous? Do the butterflies kick in before you go on air? How, how does that work? I, I don't I don't get nervous. Um, I, I get I get a buzz, an adrenaline yeah. rush. Um yeah especially with the big games like the England ones that we've had, you know, huge audiences, over 20 million on TVs at home alone, let alone. Um, And then we've got like five, six million on downloads on the the iPlayer. and So you're really reaching. I would say if you then put in people that go and watch it in pubs, in large groups, et cetera, I think, you you know, you're well over 30 million realistically. Um, And it's, 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 it's staggering, really. I didn't get nervous when I played either, to be honest. Really? Uh, Just a little bit on the coach, always on the bus ride to the ground, not, not nervous about the game, but slightly apprehensive about how I'd feel physically. That's the only thing that bothered me. I was, I could tell in my warm up whether I felt really sharp. Um, But the truth is actually some of my better games when I felt rubbish. So it doesn't really like that. Well, that's what the whole thing about, you know, players getting tired and this, and then they rest them. But yeah, you know, often your best performances are when when you're tired. You never. Sometimes you feel great and you play mm. like a dog. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> so you, you can never read it read it that well. But no, nervous wise, no. Yeah, Especially interesting. When, like when the program starts or the match yeah. starts, it's just. It's just what you want to be in, the big games. Yeah, it is. And on that, I want you to take us into the mindset of being in a studio. Is it difficult sort of separating the emotion of being an England fan, but also broadcasting live an England game? Do you have to sort of rein it in a bit? And, and how hard is that when, when if there's a last-minute goal, say? Um, well, I, I mean, I don't know whether you saw our coverage um, when we, certainly the Germany game, when they I got did, yeah. film was going bonkers. <laughs> so you can see. That's, that's that, partly why it I doesn't, asked it, actually. doesn't stop us getting too carried away because ultimately Brilliant. we... We're desperate for England to do well. We, yeah. you know, we all, we've all played for for the country. We're we're huge fans yeah. of the team, and 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 also it's it's a, it's much better for the broadcast when it, it goes well. Yeah. Um, it's win win. So yeah, we get emotional, but then there is that moment. I had it. I think it's not not with England, but it, it, not yet. It might because it wasn't a late winning goal yet for England. So mm. um, so there's plenty of time to calm down a little bit, yeah. but. Um, but the Leicester game at the FA Cup final, which obviously I remember was a it. massive Leicester yeah. fan. And then yeah. when we scored, I went nuts. <laughs> and then the VAR goal was like a minute to go or yeah. something. And I was I just started writing um, some notes and my and things I was going to say and my closing line. And and I, I saw in the corner of my eye, I saw wow. the ball going in the net, and I've just gone, oh no, no, no. Wow. So I, you know, I've, I've had two broadcasting ambitions. Yeah. Um, one of them's to broadcast the FA Cup final with Leicester winning it. Yeah. And the others 
for England to win a major tournament that, I, that I'm broadcasting. Yeah. The two could happen within the space of two months. It's not wow. 10 fate. That's amazing. It would be unbelievable. And yeah. both would be at Wembley. Yeah. But anyway, so the VAR, then the VAR came in and it ruled out Chilwell's goal. And then I'm, like, I'm jumping up again. And then I thought, ah, get a grip. And so I'm trying to, and I was getting emotional. Yeah. Um, I could was, sense that actually. That and I think if England win as well, imagine if they score, you know, a last minute win and the, mm. if they get to the final, because we're not yeah. doing the same. But if they get to the final and, and they win at the end, then that, that, that will be wonderfully difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Even the way you were explaining that, I just had sort of goosebumps just thinking yeah. about that. Uh, let's talk about England then so far. I mean, has it been the perfect tournament, Gary? I look at, you know, Kane scoring goals now. Raheem has been brilliant. Luke Shaw with the assists. Uh, there's no injuries. We haven't conceded a goal. There's no there's no players that are on suspensions. It almost seems like this has been perfect, doesn't it, for England, this tournament? Well, I was talking, well, I was talking to the boys, funnily enough. We had a drink after the game um, the other night and we were, I was just saying, there's so many tournaments that England have played in where we've been close, but mm. things haven't gone for us. We've had like a yeah. bad break or a bit of bad luck or pre-tournaments when on Beckham being injured, Rooney being injured Rooney, yeah. in, in, in Portugal when Rooney was flying and we were going to, and then he got broke his toe. Um, hand of God, mm. Frank Lampard's over the line goal, not given. Yeah. Um, semi-final against Germany, Waddle hits the inside of the post and it comes out. Fractions. Yeah. But in this tournament, for the first time in my living memory, things have gone for us. Mm. You know, we haven't had injuries. Um, we've they teams have missed a couple of chances against. Yes, we played brilliantly, but wonderfully organised. But things happen on fraction. Thomas Muller misses that chance. Yeah, to incredible. It, but he never misses. Yeah. So, and you just start to think, well, maybe. But it, yeah. I mean, obviously, that can go wrong. And and this whole luck thing is, is uh, you know, I'm more a believer in making your own luck, but, but it, it does seem like for the first time ever, actually, you know, they've got a few breaks, even with the way the draw panned out. I mean, I know we had to play Germany and stuff, but mm. you're certainly on the better side of the draw, but you know, you do that by winning the group. And, but I must say the team has been, they've been superb. And I think mm. the, the way Gareth set them up, you know, it's, it's not the way I would do it mm. because, I'm not a manager and that's probably why I'd never be a very good manager. Um, but he's, you know, he's thought it through and he's worked out trying to how to win games through a tournament. Um, and you have to say he's, he's got, he's got it spot on. Um, yeah. And it would be so difficult um, with having so many good players to leave out. Although it's much better having good players to leave out than not very good yeah. ones. Um, but there's strength in depth. I mean, I've been saying for years now, um, three, probably two, three, years that we're going to be very successful England at, mm. um, for, for the next decade or so. I honestly thought this tournament might be a bit early for, for some you? of them, but he's mixed it up. Mm. Yeah, because they're very young, but, mm. um, you know, sometimes with youth comes fearlessness. Um, yeah. And we, and they've played, they've, they've been brilliant. And we've got such a good squad now that we're going to be really, really seriously competitive and mm. win things over the next uh, 10, 15 years. I'm, I've been No doubt that. for you. I used to get rubbished by saying that and all mm. of a sudden I'm starting to think. Mm, mm, yeah. Like, <laughs> I want to see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed, I'm not getting Yeah, very true. Things can go wrong. One-off games you can lose, yeah. obviously. 
I wanted to, you touched upon Gareth Southgate there. And I just wanted to, to go into Gareth in, in, a, in a bit more depth because one of the things that I think looking from the outside, and obviously I, I'm completely looking at way more from the outside than, than yourself, but England teams in the past, there's been a lot of teams that a lot of people can usually predict starting lineups. And I think with this team, you look at social media, no one, no two people can seem yeah. to agree on the starting lineup. And there's been a lot of people talking about whatever team Gareth picks, but every single game, tactically, he's got it spot on. So how much credit does Gareth deserve for his game management, his tournament? management he deserves loads of credit because he has got it absolutely spot on and you you, you know ultimately you'll be judged by your results and your performances mm. and they've been excellent you know the only game they really struggled was probably scotland and those yeah. games are one-offs I've, I've played in you know i've played them with you know when we played um, republic of ireland and that competitive um that you know nature of games against your neighbors and stuff is always it's always different to a tournament everyone oh you're useless after you know but it, they don't really they're not that relevant to actually what's going on in the tournament itself. But no, he's, he's, he's got it um, spot on. Five games, not conceded a goal. Yeah. Um, looked really solid generally. Um, he's, you know, the way that the, the two midfield lads have, have um, gelled together and pivoted so beautifully. Um, you know, and, and as you say, it's, you know, everyone's got their own idea of a team. He should play. Yeah. He should play. And, this, and, and, and it must be immensely difficult because you can't play them all. No, you can't. But the important thing in this tournament is that you know after a long hard season where people probably you know concertinaed season as well in, in so kind of more games in a shorter period of time, the fact that you've got a big squad and you can bring in fresh legs occasionally like Jaden Sancho the other night um, is is very helpful and you can also bring fresh legs on you know. An hour into the game, yeah. you've got a couple of players on yellow cards. You can take them off and put players on that are of equal stature mm. and that's really important so the quality doesn't dip and that's a, that's a massive bonus and it's the first time we've had that kind of depth in a, in a squad in a tournament. Yeah, I totally agree. I've got to get your thoughts on Harry Kane as a former striker yourself and a man who scored loads of goals. I said in my intro, you, you do have the record for the most tournament goals. Kane is creeping <laughs> up on you. But how big was he? Just talk us through the sort of psychology involved as a striker. Um, how big was that goal against Germany for him? Oh, massively important um, because the one thing you get as a striker, it doesn't matter how good you are. In, in fact, in many ways, it's more difficult the better you are because the, the, there's more pressure exerted on you. You'll go two games without a goal like Harry did in this tournament and the whole world thinks you're finished, mm. which is, you know, it's, it's ludicrous because you judge strikers over a long period of time. Um, no striker scores in every game. So, um, but then people get onto you more because the expectations are so high um, they they automatically think there's something wrong with you as soon as you don't start scoring. And I've had that. Alan Shearer's had that. Um, all strikers would have had that. And Harry's Harry's just been through that. But soon, but soon as you score the first goal, I had very similar thing in, in, in Mexico 86. I didn't mm. score in the first two games. People were calling for my, you know, get me out the side. Um, Bobby Robson stuck with me and, and, and I came good. I scored as soon as I got the first one against Poland, then two more followed and then two against Poland. <laughs> all of a sudden the game felt easy again but um, it's a weird thing the way goal scoring works yeah. um, it is streaky um, but you know Harry's he, Harry's reliable he's dependable you know that he, he doesn't miss many chances um, and he's, he's all around games great as well and he's, 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 a, he's a fine leader from the front 
Yeah, it's world class player. Um, I saw a great tweet from you as well saying that you, you think he, he you refer to him as a Rolls Royce player and you refer to <laughs> yourself as an old banger saying you think that he will break the tournament record. One goal and he equals your tournament record. So I presume you think he will go on to break it. And how would you feel about that? I'll be chuffed. Yeah. I genuinely chuffed. I mean, it, uh, people always say to you, it's like, it's, it's like when Harry won the Golden Boot at the World mm. Cup. People say, oh, you must be a bit, a, bit, a bit sad now that you're not the only English player to win the yeah. Golden Boot. And I, I'd say, no. No, not only is it great for them and it's great for the team, but it also reminds people because I, I appear on these graphics and things That's like so that. That's so true. Yeah, and all of a sudden you, yeah. it reminds people that I actually <laughs> played the game because a lot of people of a certain generation, well, quite a few generations now I'm getting this off, but quite a few people that probably have no idea that I ever used to play the game. So it's a nice gentle <laughs> reminder. Suddenly you can say, oh, I hadn't thought of it like that. Level with Alan Shearer, he's one yeah. behind me. So it gives, you know, it's, it's a reminder in, in many ways. So... Um, so I, I quite enjoy it and I hope he smashes it I hope he goes past it and I hope yeah. he goes past it in the next two games because that would that would mean that England would be very close to winning it yeah brilliant I want to ask you just some light-hearted ones the, the mood in the camp we've spoken to an array of England players now every single one of them has said just how special this atmosphere is that Gareth created they're having such a good time how, how important is that sort of off the field that that, that um, there is that togetherness. I mean, even they've even bought the inflatable unicorns back, Gary, which, which the fans that. seem to be loving. Did you have that in your day? You, I, you and Gaza? I, I, I can honest, honestly say I've had a few unicorns, but never inflatable ones. Um, <laughs> What's an <laughs> um, I, um, I Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's great, the togetherness uh. that they seem to have got. Um, and, and of course, that comes with success as well. If you're doing well on the pitch, it makes mm. life so much better off the pitch. It keeps the ones that are not quite happy, happier than they would otherwise be. Uh, it must be very difficult to keep 26 players content, yeah. um, when you, especially after you leave three out of them and the squad altogether, which mm. seems to me a bit absurd. Um, but yeah, you can see they've got a lovely togetherness. A lot of young, you know, the average age is really young. Um, and they just look like they're having, having a ball. And obviously he's thought about keeping them occupied. He's thought about um, trying to avoid them getting too bored. Um, and, I, you know, it's, it's a lot easier nowadays as well because, don't, you know, when I, when I played, there were no telephones, no mobiles, no, no Playstations or, you know, those kind of things. Um, no social media, <laughs> probably for the best. Um, <laughs> so um, it, was, it was a bit different back then. So we, we also used to try and make our own, own entertainment. We had some fantastic nights doing stuff. Um, we had these, um, these racing nights. That Gaza and, and Fred Street, the old physio, used to put together. Yeah. Um, Fred used to get these videos of some race meeting in America from three years ago, and then it's all. And then they put them on, and I was the bookmaker with Pete Shilton, and all the players had little oh. bets on the racing, and we did quite well, obviously as bookmakers do. And I knew how to run <laughs> a book anyway because I did it when I was a kid. Um, all right. And then, yeah, and then so we went. One night we had the, the, one of the race meetings and we were doing quite nicely and they got to the seventh race. The usual thing, guys came in a little bit on this one, a little bit on this one. And then yeah. this, this, the, there was no interest in this horse, so I put it out in the odds and then it drifted out to about, I don't know, eight, eight to ten to one. Yeah. And then all the big hitters came in, Gazza, Brian Robson, Chris Waddle. Class. All them came with massive bets on this horse and I thought, oh, this stinks, this stinks. So obviously what had happened, Fred had got older. Gazza had got hold of Fred Street and said, yeah. oh, seven, you can find out who wins the seventh race. And so they, they, they've done as a kipper. Oh, no. So, so all the big, everyone, they all knew. So we were watching the race and I was going, this stinks, this stinks. <laughs> and 
and Shilt's going, oh no, oh no. And this horse like absolutely motored clear and won. And the whole squad, the whole squad did the conga around the swimming pool. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Oh, so you brilliant. Need, you, need, you need that, that, that kind of camaraderie. Um, even, yeah. if it's, it's, even if it was at our expense on this game. Wow. So how times have changed from the horses doing the conga with Gaza and now they're yeah. inflatable unicorns playing Uno. Not a lot of difference. Uh, more serious now, obviously you've played in huge games. I just wanted to get into your mindset of how the players will be feeling in terms of, obviously so much is made now we're at the business end of the tournament. How hard is it to sort of block out all that external noise uh, and, and all the pressure and the nerves that come with what is a massive game? It is, but they're loving it, aren't they? And that's what mm. you've got to do. You've got to. It's, this is this is what footballers at that the level. You, that's what you dream of. This is what you want. Getting to the semi-final and hopefully a final yeah. of a major tournament. Um, and and the, the other good thing, of course, is a lot of these young players, particularly, have had success at international level and youth yeah. levels and under twenty-one levels. You know, World Cup winners and stuff. So, you know, they they know what it's like to win a tournament, which is it's just also important. Um, but yeah, I think they'll, you know, I don't think that they'll be worried. It's the blocking the external noise out. Well, it was probably, that was certainly easier in our day because mm. you, you didn't get it. And also, of course, they're back in our country now as well. Um, and there's social media. Yeah. There was no social media. So when we came back from major, so the two that made World Cups that I played in were in, in Mexico and, and, and Italy. Italy, yeah. We had, you had no idea about the, the bonkersness that is, is actually occurring back home. And then you come back at the end of it and it's like, oh my God, and everyone's like all over you. Every chat show wants you. And I, I remember driving up to somewhere, the service station and stopping and like cars were pulling and it was like people Amazing. were coming everywhere. It's about Amazing. 45 minutes to, to, yeah. film, to do my petrol in the car. <laughs> um, so you don't realise quite how mad it is. Um, but the fact they're around it and the social media now, obviously they'll have a much greater grasp on, on the significance of it. Uh, let's look ahead then to the game. England against Denmark. Obviously, Denmark, it was so tragic seeing what happened to, to Christian yeah. Eriksen. I'm sure we can all agree it's so great to hear that he, he's out of hospital now and we wish him a, a yeah. full recovery. Um, how do you see the game going and where do you, where do you think are the important areas if England are to progress in this one? Um, well, I think, I mean, Gareth seems to have worked out the important areas in all mm. the games that they've had. And I think that's been the important thing here I, I I suspect he'll play as perhaps a similar team to to the Ukraine to Ukraine game um, I think you know top right hand side will be the debatable mm. thing whether it's you know Sancho I thought was brilliant yeah Thacker um, I thought was brilliant his game and yeah. you know Foden is brilliant so you've got <laughs> yeah, three so players true. in so that tough. position I think I think Mount will play a game because Mount gives you gives you a bit of everything you know he's, he can create he can score he's he's fantastically energetic he can close down which is really important um, and obviously Kane and Sterling were their must starts because they've you know been two best players. So mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and then you've got people. It's so difficult because then you can go like, well, what about Jack Grealish? And yeah, I think, I think in many ways Jack's been a, a little bit unfortunate. He's come on and made a real impact, yeah. and 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 that might sometimes you come on as a sub and make impact. People can go, well, that's maybe the Is best it? for him. Interesting. But at the same time, he plays in the role that Sterling plays, mm. and Sterling is you know he's he's made himself undroppable. So it's 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 difficult, but um, but he seems to have come up with a system and a way of playing and the right personnel at the right time, and hopefully that'll continue again against Denmark, who will be stronger than Ukraine, but mm. uh, and tough opposition, and they've got that emotional 
um, drive that you mentioned, perhaps that came from the Ericsson incident. So, and 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 they've got that togetherness as well yeah. as as all teams do. If you go this far into the tournament, I strongly fancy England to be in the final. Gary, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, and I really hope that your wish of broadcasting the final and England winning at Wembley comes true. Real pleasure. Thanks for joining us, mate. My pleasure. Cheers. The ref is just about to blow the whistle on yet another episode of the official England podcast. But don't go anywhere because we'll be back tomorrow. Yes, I am lucky enough to say I'll be at the game and we'll be bringing you all the reaction from Wembley. Tonight promises to be a momentous occasion. They've already inspired an entire nation. But if the three Lions progress to their first final in a major tournament in over 50 years, they will become legends. So it's only fitting that I let the boys have the final word. All that's left for me to say is see you tomorrow. Stay safe. Come on England and take it away lads. To be coming back to Wembley is a is a is a great thing for us. Wembley's our home. It's it's where we we grew up watching. It's where we want to play. It's going to be special 60,000. It's going to feel like 90. What we've learned over kind of past tournaments especially is trying to peak at the right time. The best time to be peaking is, is in the knockout stage and obviously the later we go in this tournament, the, the tougher teams you face. Denmark were obviously in a semi-final there for a reason and that's credit to them. They've proven now for, for years that they're a top team. I think they're the highest ranked team that would have played in this competition. I've got to give them a lot of respect after what, what happened to Christian Eriksen. We sometimes talk about perspective in sport, but it's very rare that we actually have it. But it was a moment where it really brought it home. What they went through that day, the way their captain was, the way the group was, and that's been powerful. They're, they're riding a wave of emotion. They've got that extra mo- motivation and fire in their stomach to go and perform for him. That's a powerful force that's coming to Wembley. The game itself, we know what's ahead of us. A chance to go one step beyond the, the 96 team that got to the semis and get to our first final since 66. We've just got to fully focus on what we can control and that is the performance on the night and just give it absolutely everything like we have been so far in this tournament. I feel like this group of players will feel this is you know, just the next challenge and we won't feel totally satisfied if it's just a semi-final for us. This time, we've got to make it that, that step further and try and make everyone's dreams come true. It's a great opportunity for us to go and create our own history. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.